you talking about? Today is Friday, March 25th, 2022. Time for episode 170 of the Barnhart Podcast. And it is Happy A-R-S-H Day. Happy A-R-S-H Day. Actually, do you, oh. do you spell it out or do you say it as a word? Arsh? No, I say, I say A-R-S-H. Okay. And for the listeners who have no clue what this is, but this is a big, big day and something you celebrate. In fact, it's such a big celebration you had to meet today, didn't you? Uh, no, actually, I did not. I did not. Nope, nope, nope. I was, uh, I was, I was very pious. Um, but yes, ARSH day. It's today. I've been looking forward to reposting the explan the explanatory essay about what ARSH means and why I put it on all of my date stamps and whenever and usually whenever I cite a year or write about a year. Um, I, I put ARSH in front of in front of the date and I've gotten hate mail over this. I've been publicly calumniated and denounced as a psychopath for doing this. It is uh, I've been accused of being a crypto Muslim. Someone someone decided that this was some sort of a of an Islamic abbreviation. Um, no, it's it's Latin and it stands for Anno Reparate Salutis Humanae, in the year of the reparation of human salvation, and it's it's just another more florid way of saying A.D. And if you if you ever go over to Europe or if you go over to to Rome or anywhere in Italy, and there are um, all of the old 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 inscriptions of any kind where a date is cited, I. I don't remember ever seeing AD anywhere on any of those inscriptions. They don't use that. What they used, what you see a lot of is AS, which stands for the year of salvation, Anno Salutis. Um, you will also sometimes see um, ARS, Anno Reparate Salutis, the year of salvation uh, accomplished or reparated. Um, but the most, the most gloriously florid one, which, you know, my style, go big or go home, is ARSH, Anno Reparate Salutis Humanae, the year of the reparation of human salvation. And it's it's today, it's the feast of, of, of the incarnation of the Annunciation, which is March 25th, which used to be New Year's Day. Today, for many, many centuries, up until just not, not too terribly long ago in historical terms. Um, I think it was probably in the 1700s or probably, probably post-Napoleon um, is when the date, the, the legal new year moved from March 25th to January 1st. And a lot of people don't realize that. Years turned over on March 25th because that March 25th is the first day um, pious tradition is is that it's the day of creation. It's the day that our Lord. Um, it's the day. Is it the day our Lord was cr crucified? Yes, it's the day. It's the day of our Lord's crucifixion. It's all of these things happen on March twenty fifth, and of course, it's the day of His incarnation. So it's also piously held that it's going to be the last day of time will be a March 25th as well. Mm -hmm. And in the same sense that 
March 25th being the same day of creation that we, we, we are created into spring sort of sense, the authentic new springtime, that the March 25th at the end of time is the eternal spring in, in heaven. Assuming you make yeah. it there. It, it, it is the, the, the beginning of eternity. Yes. And people might be sitting there listening and saying, well, Anne, you said it's, it's the March 25th was the day that the world was created. That doesn't make any sense. How, how, could, how could, you know, let there be light happen when the earth and the sun and, and these things didn't even exist yet? You have to remember what we're talking about is, okay, there is the passage of time and what we call a year is X number of seconds, okay? And that, that is that. So even before um, the, the creation of the earth and the sun and those, and those dynamics, if you, you still have X number of seconds and every X number of seconds back is what you can call, you can, you can name that quote unquote a year. So it's not the, the passage of X number of seconds of time as what we call it a year can mathematically be delinked from the earth you know orbiting the sun once it doesn't it doesn't have to be that it's just x number of seconds so you can't yeah you absolutely can go back and there were you can go back you know days years centuries whatever you can go back until you get to the moment of creation and you can name those units of time whatever you want and there are there are intervals of time that are exactly equivalent to one solar year so there you go it's it's not it, it you can mathematically delink from the solar year and still be talking about about periods and quantities of time in exactly the same way so yeah, it's pretty cool when you stop and think about it. Yep, and it's been 5,782 5, years since creation. 5,782. Okay, we're going to get a bunch of hate mail now because apparently that's also one of the things that holds a person up to complete and total scorn and derision is if they don't believe that the universe is... 13.8 billion years old so um yeah I, I guess we've just we've just both outed and denounced ourselves as as uh the execrable young earth creationists that are to be held up to mocking scorn and ridicule by all by all quarters so well that's that's the current jewish year and the jewish year is is held to have to or the whole the whole jewish calendar is is held to have started at creation mm -hmm. so yeah there you go yep Something big is supposed to happen at year 6,000. I don't know. I'm not a Jewish prophecy expert, so who knows? I'll have to ask I don't me know. Are we, gonna, are we going to make, what is that, 218 more years? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> after, after what we've seen the last, the last few days, I'm, I'm hoping to make it to September at this point. So. <laughs> well, we know for a fact that, that until he shows up, um, we have at least 42 to 48 months from the appearance of the Antichrist until the end of time. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> you can still do those, uh, those home repair projects you've had planned. We've, we've got at least a couple, a couple, three years to go at the very minimum. So <laughs> well, I don't know if you just finished, you know, doing home repair projects and, and a war breaks through. I mean, I, I don't know that that might be you know, kind of a bummer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and a serious point about this is how, how do you 
how do you react to all of this? How do you live in all of this? Well, you just keep living is the answer. You just keep living and you just keep taking life one day at a time. And even if, even if you were to hypothetically have information that the end of the world, the, the consummation of history was gonna happen, you know, day after tomorrow, well, you get up tomorrow morning and you you do what you're normally going to do if you've got a job you get up and you go to work and you go to mass and you wash the dishes and you you do everything that you would normally do and then when it happens it happens so it did there it should there nothing about this should be like paralyzing there there should be no paralysis involved in this we all keep going we all have responsibilities and we're not being flippant and we're not we're not not taking God seriously. And it's not that we're not taking all of these things seriously, but you know, for people that have kids, the kids have to be fed. They have to be taken care of. You're, you're expected to keep going all the way till the very end. And so yeah, that's the, what we'll do. We've, I've mentioned this phrase before on the podcast. It, it's the Latin phrase, age quote agis, which means do what you are doing. It is one of the uh, mottos of the Jesuit order, and it was put into practice when they, as an order, were still Catholic. And I know I've mm -hmm. told this story before on the podcast of, I forget which saint it is, it's probably been more than one, where the at, at recreation, these were, I believe, Jesuit um, brothers or, or novitiates or whatever rank they were talking, and the, the topic came up, what if you knew the world was going to come to an end in 15 minutes, what would you do? And they, in, in their own turns, would say, I would want to you know, go, go uh, to confession. I would want to go spend the, the remaining time in adoration. And it came around to the, the object of the story that well, I forget which saint this is. He said, I would keep on playing pool. And I said, why? He said, cause we're in our recreation time right now. This is what we're supposed to be doing according to our, our holy order, our, our, mm -hmm. our rules is what our we're rule, supposed to be doing yeah. right now. It's recreation time. I'm going to keep going to keep going. And if uh, it pleases God to end time during recreation time, then he'll take me while I'm playing pool. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So that's what we're doing here. Oh, and that this kind of sort of, but a little bit tangential reminds me that on the last episode, I did not congratulate you, sir, because in your capacity as the producer of the Barnhart podcast, we have passed 1 million downloads on Podbean. So I want to give you a shout out for all that you do and have done over the years and uh, made it all possible. Well done, sir. Amazing yeah, I, I can take credit downloads. for about 343 of those downloads all by myself. <laughs> well, I think I think we're past 1,343. So um, we're, we're, we're legit over not counting your uh, your contributions to the to the counter. So <laughs> As, as long as the podcast is made available and people can download it, I'll, I'll take credit for not screwing it up. That's, that's about as much as I'll do. Ah, you, you, you are too humble, sir. You're too humble. You're, you keep me on the straight and narrow. And I remember we, when we opened our very, very first episode and we were talking before we hit the record button and you were quite nervous and I said, someday we're going to laugh about this. And here we are. Here well, we the, are. the very next episode, we were laughing because I realized that I forgot to engage the microphone in front of my face. And instead, I was using the built-in mic on the laptop. But <laughs> how far <yeah>. we've come. <laughs> and you still <laughs> insisted on calling me super nerd this whole time. Good grief. Yeah. 
yeah. But back to the back to the big day. Um, obviously, meat was authorized. If you want to follow that, uh, everyone who's a Latin Rite Catholic is is authorized under the canon law of 1983. That when a uh, solemnity happens, you're allowed to have meat. And of course, it was a big day. It was the consecration, or not? No, of course it wasn't. <laughs> Well, actually, in my household, it was um, my my oldest son made his uh, consecration or total consecration to Mary. So there ah, was there was at least one valid consecration today. There was a valid consecration right there. Oh, well done, well done. Yeah, I mean, it's um, just to give a little teaser. Um, Mark, Doctor Matza, and myself, we're going to record um, on Monday. Um, that's the plan. Dr. Matza is a very popular dude right now. So he's, he's said, if, if I don't have this other thing, which is like a, uh, 20% tentative, then if that doesn't pan out on Monday, then he's going to record with Mark and myself on Monday. And it's going to, it's going to be discussing, you know, the events of, of today and what all happened and didn't happen and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so there's a, there's a Mark Matza and Ann cast coming on Monday about, about this. And I'm at this point, you know, there's just so much information and things are happening that, it will be interesting to see what new information and developments we have by the time Monday rolls around. So, so did you actually watch the uh, the live stream or, or no. a, a, a copy of it? I was I was watching just out of more curiosity and thing else. I wanted to see if there was a bomb going to go off or something like that. But uh, the the translation of, of what um, Bergoglio was saying. This shouldn't be a surprise to anyone listening. He basically doesn't believe in the essence of of how the sacrament of penance is supposed to work. Yeah. It's like you bring your sins to God and that's enough. It's like, well, n- to, sort of, but the way he said it, no, not really. Um, the idea of giving your sins to God uh, means you have to have contrition for them. Yeah. You have to actually say them and number them and give circumstances that matter. And you have to have an amendment of life. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that amendment of life, those sins are still yours. You aren't cutting yourself yeah. off from them. So yes, technically it, it's, it's so horribly in the, in the spirit of Vatican II that what he said can be understood in a traditional sense, but the way he's saying it is heretical. And that's, oh, yeah. that's just been, that's been the story for the last well, 60 years. One of years. the things that he said, because I saw you were kind of putting on little, putting up little messages and things. One of the things that he said is that the sat, <laughs> Try, try to try to process the the thinking the convoluted thinking behind this the sacrament of confession is not about um it's not about you confessing your sins it's about you having an encounter with god's mercy like what what are you talking about and then he, and then he started going off about well oh uh talk about bingo card so you know my bingo card was um that i put up um what it what was it what what hit um well the masks i mean that was a foregone conclusion that they would all be wearing um they would all be wearing. that just hit all the bishops and cardinals from from everyone seeing that they're snickering the whole time 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that that hit. But the one thing that was not on my bingo card was, did he basically declare that the Holy Ghost is female? Did he say something to that effect? I saw somebody tweet that and I copied that in, into the uh, into our chat. I did not catch that. I was, you know, half listening while while doing my day job. And, and uh, so I didn't quite catch that. It's uh, yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't put it past them. Well, it, the thing that I, that cracks me up, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrible, but the thing that cracks me up about that is that you've got an anti-pope who is so um, shallow and unsound that, he, his, that he's getting his theology from the shack. Do you remember that book about, oh, it's been over, it's been well over a decade ago. It was called The Shack, and it was some Protestant gobbledygook nonsense about you know some guy encountering the trinity or something and of course the holy ghost was is depicted as a woman um so when i when i heard that i, ha I had to laugh and say you know you got an anti-pope who's who's so unsound that his theology is based off of the shack so well this this is a in a nutshell one of the big differences between you and me is that you say the shack and i'm thinking radio shack <laughs> he wouldn't know what to do in play inside Radio Shack. That's a place of objective truth. Circuits either work or they don't. Ooh, mm, no, this is this is a different Shack, which I know that you would this book would never have been on your radar because it's it's Protestant garbage juice. But it was wildly popular. This thing was a bestseller, and everybody was like, "Oh, have you read the Shack? Have you read the Shack? I understand God for the first time in my life. I understand the Trinity, and it's just." And it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. So um, I don't know. I, I would say we should put it in the show notes, but I don't even want to. I don't want to link to that. I don't want people buying it. So um, if you know what the shack is, you know. And I think I think a lot of Novus Ordo Catholics read it and thought it was just just dandy because you know nobody's as gullible as a, as a as a Novus Ordo Catholic. You know, they think they think they know the faith, but they just they just don't have a clue most of them so I, I wouldn't i wouldn't paint that broad of a brush because um I, again I, i've told this story before that when i i first started going to mass at the fraternity of saint peter that was the first time i was around a a group of traditional catholics who had not or who who came there out directly out of the novus ordo and it's the first time i ever heard the term uh, roaming catholic and the idea mm. that people came out of the Novus Ordo that, or grew up in the Novus Ordo, and I, and I realize that's a form of the liturgy, not a de delineation of religion. Just roll with it for a minute. But mm. who grew up in the Novus Ordo, but were still devout Catholics who prayed the rosary, who had devotion, mm -hmm. who, who did true devotion to Mary, who read Louis de Montfort and, and the other actual saint books from before 1960. These Catholics exist, and they and there are many of them out there, even, even those who have not come to tradition yet. So it, it's like painting all yeah. trads under one brush too i mean obviously you're there are liberal trads and there are a set of a contest and there are a, just a panoply in between so to to, to make a broad brush uh, definition that all all y'all novus ordos look the same to me it's like no actually that's not true it's kind of racist thank you for the correction you're absolutely right and that reminds me of a just a quick aside a quick tangent there's apparently there's some list going around um of um people people who are supposedly pro pro putin and and go to the fraternity of saint peter or something 
And I looked at that and guys, that list, that's generated by a troll. There is a, a person or it might be multiple people and they are paid professional trolls. They have like half a dozen websites um, and it's com they're completely fake. All, all these websites are, are, their purpose is to have my name. And yes, th this, these troll websites started initially when I did my Koran burning in April of 2011. And immediately um, these troll sites started popping up and it, the purpose of them is to put my name in conjunction with um, accusation, like anytime there's a, there's a shooting, anytime there's a shooting, this, these, this troll or trolls, if it's more than one of them who are servicing these websites, they put up a post that says that I'm personally responsible for any, any shooting that happens, et cetera, et cetera. Um, hey, this is called Google poisoning, by the way. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's Google poisoning. Yes. You, you, yes. Get, you get enough. Um, in fact, this was done. Um, what was the phrase? Miserable failure under, under the term of George W. Bush. Yeah. Uh, the way Google works is that it doesn't look at the website itself. It, it, mm -hmm. it figures out what what text is linked back to a website. And and so one of the one of the things that uh, the leftist activists did in the early 2000s is everyone on their blogs and on their websites started putting the phrase miserable failure and then hypertext or hyperlinking that text back to George W. Bush's website or to the White House, I forget which, to the point that within uh, just a very short period of time, if you went to Google and searched the phrase miserable failure, George Bush was like the first eight pages of results. Yeah. What this what this means then for these people when they ha if they have a number of websites and they're doing this, then let's just say um, the Lake Wobegon school shooting, Anne Barnhart, her rhetoric is completely to, to blame for this. Yeah, rad trad gun nut Anne Barnhart personally responsible for for X shooting. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. they're doing this across nine websites. They probably yep. have uh, troll. You know, fellow travelers and in, in the Uganda Times and places like that, will, which will then pick it up. And once it's in a someplace like the Uganda Times, now the the New York Times will pick it up. And uh, some some corporations are actually very brilliant about <laughs> advanced poisoning some things. There was something from IBM. They put out something about data breach in IBM, and the whole point was a toolkit for companies to deal with a data breach. Which also means that anytime now, if IBM ever has a, a legitimate data breach of cust a customer information, that's all the website or all of the top links you're going to get as toolkits for fighting it, as opposed to actual news about a Google breach. There, there are some fun ways, fun things you can do with with um, SEO and, and and Google poisoning terms. But with regard to why somebody like this or a troll farm would have multiple websites. Uh, to write basically the same thing. It's so yeah, that exactly. it's so that yep. the search engines see, hey, it's not just one website doing this, but it is a multiplicity of websites. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the reliability of this information should be a little bit higher. And that's I just want to interject why why, why trolls would run it, a number yeah. of websites like that. Exactly. And so, but if you look at it, and also I know the. Um, when we first, when I first did the Koran burning, I had some people that I was, you know, just in contact with, and some of them had, um, were pretty highly skilled and had geolocation capabilities and um, the ability to do pretty, pretty sophisticated um, IP, um, IP backtracking and all that kind of stuff. Guess, guess, and I, and I confirmed, I confirmed that this facility actually exists guess 
where the geolocation of this went back to? Uh, 340 yards southwest of Vatican City. Um, due east. In fact, it's about 340 yards due south of the Colosseum. It is the United Nations FAO. Uh, the, the FAO is the UN food um, NGO. Um, it's the United Nations FAO campus in Rome, which is about 300 yards south of the Colosseum. And I, it's a small world. Don't ask how, because I can't betray any confidences. But I know someone who was physically in that building and had to go downstairs and retrieve something from tech people at one time for some reason. And they said that they went down in that basement and they could feel a preternatural evil that you, it was like entering into a different realm. And it was just all of these really creepy looking guys huddled in front of computers, just, you know, as you would expect, imagine that you're, you're some IT person and your job, your paid job is that you're assigned to people and you create, and you're a troll. You're a professionally paid troll by the United Nations. And I was like, wow, that's a mind blower. So I knew, I knew that even before I even went on my pilgrimage to Rome. And I remember arriving in Rome and chuckling to myself. And I, I even remember um, the first time I drove past that facility and I, I knew I knew where it was supposed to be and and roughly that I would be passing it. And I was like, okay, you gotta be on the lookout for a great big thing that says United Nations on it. And sure enough, you can't miss this thing, it's huge. And so you, you drive past this thing and I was in a taxi like, oh, <laughs> there, there is at least one person, and there might be a couple of them in that building who are assigned to me. And I was very, very chagrined to be actually driving past, and I even waved at them. So it was pretty funny. But um, what, so, why yeah. would, what's the purpose of being in Rome for something like that, something like that? I mean, couldn't they just set up a campus on like the thirty third parallel in in Charleston, South Carolina, and just uh, remote through the servers in in uh, yeah. Rome? Yeah, who knows? I have no idea. You tell me. But I mean, there it's a very sophisticated deal because I think I think they're tied into Google somehow. I think the UN and Google have some sort of an arrangement. Because these these websites have no um, they have no readership at all. There's no nobody ever comments on them. There's no traffic to them. But every time they make a post, and like for example, you type my name into Google, it instantly goes to the top. I mean, it's just bam, that all, all of these troll websites, any mention of me on these websites that have no traffic, go straight to the top. And it's, it's, they're, they're pathetic and interesting in a certain way, because they're trying to pass themselves off as if they're traditional Catholics. But you can tell that they're just doing huge copy paste things. And a lot of times all they'll do is they'll take an entire blog post of mine and just do, do copy paste. And but at the top, it'll say, you know, Anne Barnhart is a murderous, uh, psychotic, rad trad I, I don't even know what they say i mean just getting getting any keywords that they can connected to my name and then they'll just copy and paste an entire blog post of mine and like well you know are you going to make their make some sort of an argument or make some sort of a point and 
no, that's not what they're being paid to do. They're being paid to generate these character assassinating, allegedly poisonous, um, poisonous hits on search engines associated with my name. So back to this list that's going around, there's this list and I'm the first name on the list. Um, here are all these people who go to the FSSP and uh, the FSSP has to be shut down. And, and the, they're also, um, they also betray that they're trolls by, you know, the language that they use and they, there's nothing, there's absolutely no Catholic piety at all in any of these people and it's and it's obviously so um you know they say and do things and post things that are that are just morally impossible for anyone who is actually attempting to practice the catholic faith so it's obvious that they're a troll um i'm the first name at the top of this list and then it just it goes down and everybody all these people on this list and for some reason they've glommed on to the fssp and they say the fssp has to be has to be shut down it's a it's a criminal organization it's all look at all these people and all these people are pro-putin and whatever and, and half of the people on the list don't even go to the fraternity don't even either. go go don't even go and i'm I'm ecumenical. I go to all kinds of different various and sundry Ecclesia Day. I mean, especially back when I had liberty to to travel and so forth. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I and they're they're also very not clued in. They they uh, they put super nerd on the list at six. No, it's Roman McLean. Super nerd is the corp to corp contracting entity that works with Anne on the podcast. <laughs> oh, and then you know, Doctor Beep. Nurse Claire, like you, you do realize that these are these are nom de guerre, right? <laughs> I don't, I don't think so, no. And it's, uh, I mean, you laugh and you chuckle, but then you also realize that this is this is a serious thing. That you know, the United Nations is first of all coming after someone like me, and then trying to go after people that are you know in the same realm and sphere as I am and well if she's a traditional Catholic then we should go after we should go after these uh, you know traditional Catholic um, institutes societies whatever <laughs> okay this is this is what your tax money is going towards at, at the United Nations you're you're paying your tax money is paying those trolls salary and they've been at it for a while. I mean, they've been at it. I did the Quran burning in April of 11. So it's, it's over. It's coming up on what? 11 years. Wow. Amazing. So they, they've got to be low rent trolls because if they were any good, they would be doing better. Yeah, exactly. They would, the, the, the content would at least have a, a modicum of credibility to it and it doesn't at all. So people are saying, well, I, we have to, we have to fight back against it. No, 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 no. You, ju you just ignore all of that because it's, it's, it's meaningless. Don't worry about it. Don't leave any comments. Don't, don't get upset at all. In fact, take it as a badge of honor that you're, you know, that you're being attacked by United Nations paid trolls. That's pretty awesome. I mean, you must be, you must be over some sort of a target and you're clearly you're clearly making satan angry because you know he's he's sicking his little minions on you so it's pretty cool i'm just surprised they didn't out me as being in the uae well you know <laughs> you just did that yourself didn't you <laughs> well that's where all my internet traffic goes through so well, well if, they, if they were really on to me they would have figured that out mm. but back back to, big, <laughs> back to the big back to the big non-consecration so 
Bergoglio did a thing today. Um, when does the war start now? I mean, how soon should we see the the apparent um, e- either the false peace through the false prophet or actual war break out? Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty quick. Um, I mean, it might it might be before Monday when um, when Dr. Matza and Mark and I get together. It's um, and you know, everybody's. Oh, people online are oh, this is so wonderful. Oh, finally, finally, it's done. Oh, no, no, sweetie, no, no. And, you know, everybody's arguing about, you know, this phraseology and did he he say this? Does it count if if this, that, and the other? Is it if he consecrates all of humanity, but then... Well, and especially Russia and Ukraine, but what were the boundaries of, of Ukraine in 19... And, and I'm like, okay, th- this whole conversation can be boiled down and wrapped up with a bow and concluded in five words. Bergoglio is not the Pope. Bergoglio is not the Pope. End of, end of discussion. Whatever this thing was, it was an ape of course it wasn't valid and what the thing that's really i find disconcerting to me there are trads who are saying things like well even if he isn't the pope it doesn't matter like what are you talking about no it doesn't matter okay well then why didn't you have kim kardashian uh consecrate russia to the immaculate heart of mary well if, if it doesn't matter whether or not he's the pope if it doesn't matter who does it why, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you consecrate Russia to the Immaculate Heart of Mary? Because you have you have as much authority and ability to do it as Bergoglio does. No, the, Our Lady said the Pope. Bergoglio isn't the Pope. We really, at that point, don't even need to go into anything else. Of course it's invalid. Of course it's an aping. Um, so I guess... That, that's that's the big overarching point. Don't get lost in the minutia of trying to figure out what the what the territorial boundaries of Ukraine were in 1917. It doesn't even matter. This is you can you can end this argument just instantaneously right out of the shoot. Guys, Bergoglio isn't the Pope. Base premise, okay? That's it. That that's the beginning and the end of the argument right there. Don't need to discuss anything else. And, you know, the sentimentality and all that, the, oh, finally, oh, this is so wonderful. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's awful. It's awful, awful, awful. And, um, yeah, I think there are going to be consequences for this, and they're going to be swift. Um, I don't know. It, it, there, I had some information. I heard some scuttlebutt that the whole ceasefire and, you know, tentative agreement between Zelensky and and Putin to to you know turn Ukraine into a buffer state they're not going to join NATO this has all been hammered out and it's been hammered out for a while they were just waiting for this we'll see if this false peace comes but if it does it's not going to last very long and this kind of segues into the video that i just posted like two hours before we started recording 
And you guys, you need to watch this video clip. A reader in Argentina made this video clip. She subtitled it in Spanish um, because, you know, she's in Argentina. But it is a 2012 video clip of um, Father Nicholas Gruner and Father Paul Kramer at a Fatima conference. And they're in the midst of a question and answer session. And the question is asked, and remember, this is in 2012. The question is asked, will Pope Benedict um, do the consecration of Russia to the Immaculate Heart? And oh, the, it, it's, it's jaw-dropping because what they say and the things they start discussing, it, it sounds like they could have recorded it this evening the way they're talking and the way it matches up exactly with events. The only, the only betrayal of the fact that, um, that it's not completely contemporary is the fact that they're talking about Pope Benedict and they're that talking, Father Gruner's in the video and Father Gruner. Yes. Father Gruner died in 2014. That's another tell. Yes. So, um, it's, it's absolutely astounding and they go into, well, there's going to be Pope Benedict, and they say he's not going to do it. And they say, then there's going to be an anti-pope. Okay, no, nobody had any fathom of any of this in 2012. Remember, Pope Benedict made his announcement in like February 11th of 2013. And this is, th this conference was recorded a year before this and they're just sitting there openly saying oh yeah the the there's after benedict there's going to be an anti-pope wow okay wow good call good call and then the and then they're talking and then at the end stay with this thing it's not a terribly long clip it's only a few minutes but stay with it till the end because then guess what they start talking about it's like oh russia russia's going to invade western europe there's going to be probably a world war involving Russia invading Western Europe. What? In 2012, if, if, if someone had said to you, yeah, Vladimir Putin is going to invade Western Europe. He's going to, he's going to incur into, into Poland or whatever. You, you would think the person was, was, was crazy. Like, oh, please, he's not going to do that. He's not going to pick a fight with a nuclear war with the United States. Well, oh, 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 apparently, apparently he is. So, um, He's yeah. doing a pretty good rope-a-dub so far. I mean, all, all the amateur military advisors or military analysts are saying that uh, the Russians are clearly don't have a good, as good of a, a military as we thought they did because it's taking them so long just to try to get within striking range of Kiev. And don't think people are looking closely at, at the quality of soldiers that were in that initial push, the material that's that's being thrown out there. These are first-generation BMPs. They're not putting their BMP-3s and 4s out there yet. Uh, they are not putting out their, their seasoned troops, much less their special forces. Uh, they are not pushing into Ukraine with the cream of the crop. Uh, the incursions are making so far, they're, they, the whole 40-mile convoy that was paused for a week, yeah, it's called a tactical pause. And, and um, mm -hmm. they, they were consolidating their supply lines and setting up forward operating bases. You know, the U.S. at breakneck speed, and I'm doing this air quotes, took three weeks at the start of Operation Iraqi Freedom to get to Baghdad. You mm -hmm. have to put supply lines in place. Those tanks only move at maximums, or they, they only go about 300 miles before you have to refuel them. So mm -hmm. you can't start in Kuwait and drive straight into Baghdad. But you're going to stop at the uh, the local shell station on the way to Baghdad, right. top <laughs> off your tanks, and keep rolling. It doesn't yeah. work that way. 
moving armies is logistics. And even though the, the Russians are putting forward the feint that they have no idea what they're doing, they know darn well what they're doing. Oh, of course they do. Yeah. It's, and also, remember, every, everything, everything that is being reported in the press about this is just lies. Everything's wrong. This is, if you, as Super Nerd just referenced, if you, if you look at this, this is one of the fastest, if not the fastest, uh, military advance in human history. And every single day, what is the what is the mainstream media lying, lying through their teeth and saying, oh, look at this. It's a complete disaster. Um, he's on the precipice of complete and total defeat. Um, they're they're quoting casualty rates in the Russian in the Russian army. That is like t 10 times what the U.S. suffered on D-Day. I mean, just things that are just completely and totally ridiculous but people people believe it and people just lap it up and it's it's really disconcerting to watch that even after the last two years of non-stop lies that and i can't remember what 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 it's called there's a, this is a phenomenon where you've been through the last two years of non-stop lies oh but this time the media is completely accurate and is telling the truth when just example after example after example is is shown to be false i mean what the one i saw the other day is is that Zelensky and the Zelensky propaganda team are releasing photographs that show um bombing victims and the, the photographs are bombing victims in the east of Ukraine who, who were bombed by the Ukrainian regime. They've been bombing the eastern territories where all those Russian people live. They've been bombing that nonstop since 2014 when that CIA organized, you know, color revolution happened. They, they've been bombing those people and there's casualties into the five figures oh, since 2014. They're showing pictures of their own bombing that they executed. And they're saying, oh, look at this, you know, this is here, are these poor, terrible victims of, of Putin. It's their, it's their own dirty deeds that they're showing these pictures of. Everybody just eats it up. Everyone eats it up. So, yeah, I, it's... it's how how at this point you can still be falling for anything that the that the media tells you is just I I I I'm at a, a next level of incredulity. I mean, you think the Corona putch was was bad, and the the death injections. Okay, let's take everybody who's who was pretty much kind of reading reading the Corona scam right, and and certainly reading the death injections right. And these people have now just lost the plot with this, with this, with this Ukraine thing. So I don't know what to say, but um, it's he's Putin is nobody's fool, and yeah, like like you said, and you use the term rope-a-dope. That's exactly what he's doing, and the other thing he's doing, and and again, why why wouldn't you do this? Okay, you ha if you have nuclear capability, and you're the United States. And the understood doctrine of the United States is that the United States will never, ever, 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 ever use nuclear weapons. Oh, well, all right then. All Putin has to do is say, well, I will. And, and he, he's running the table at that point. What a, what a ridiculous, idiotic, 
effeminate tactical blunder it is for the United States to be running around saying, oh, we're, we're never ever gonna use these nuclear weapons. All you have to do now, you are now at the mercy of absolutely anyone on this planet who would use it. And all they have to do is threaten you with it and mean it. Because everybody knows that you probably aren't going to. And the other thing that one certainly worries about, and I think, I think this is just almost a foregone conclusion, I think the US is gonna organize some sort of a false flag, probably involving um, biological weaponry, because there were two dozen or so, we had two dozen or so bioweapon bio facilities in there. And I think the plan, I think it's pretty clear that the plan that they've had and probably have had all along is that they're gonna release something whether it's some sort of a far worse version of of the coof or whether it's smallpox or whatever it is they're gonna false flag it they're gonna blame it on him and then that's gonna that's gonna touch it off and then i don't know what all these people are gonna do who, who are saying well he did the consecration where's where's the peace well you know your your anti-pope did uh some sort of a thing but it wasn't the consecration of russia to the immaculate heart of mary by the pope in union with the bishops so yeah no well, and in terms of a chemical weapons release, it could be as simple as, you know, some provocateur taking a, a bottle of Clorox and a grenade and tossing that combination into a into a bus or something and saying, hey, he did a, someone did a chlorine gas attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was about the grade of what, what happened in Syria when they claimed that Assad did release chemical weapons on his people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, again, beating on this drum, but it's absolutely essential that you get your heads around this. In global affairs today, the thing that used to be the United States of America is the bad guys. We're the baddies, and we're the ones who are going to lie and cheat and false flag. And we've we've been doing it all. We've been doing it all along. We've been doing it for longer than any of us probably want to admit. And we're, overthrow we're, governments in 2014. Yep. We overthrew Yushchenko, and I think I have the name correct now. Somebody emailed in and let me know that I had the names wrong. I said 2014 was the Orange Revolution. That was 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. I think that was Soros, but we probably had some people in there as well. Mm-hmm. 2014. That was Vicky Newland, and and the m- most of the same cast of characters who's poking their nose in there now. Um, we've had military, active duty military in and out of Ukraine nonstop. I think Dr. Beep said he was on the short list to go to Ukraine and, and got out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've definitely had some special operators in there and almost certainly oh, yeah. CIA operators, and they're probably still there right now. Oh, yeah. In terms of who's going to release something that you know, that looks like a chemical attack, it's probably going to be one of our special operators or, or CIA guys. Uh, yep. The black bag operators who are going to pull off something like that, or their buddies from a nation to the south, mm-hmm. and and they're going to they're going to let that off, and 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 they're going to say, look, they're the Russians are are using chemical weapons. We don't we don't have to assert proof. We have dead bodies all over. Anybody with a high school chemistry set can see the markings. This is VX gas or mustard gas or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever the gas of the week is that they're going they're going to. Uh, or smallpox. Smallpox is something that's horrifically visible when people get it. Um, and it's it's terrorizing in and of itself. And if all they have to do is release smallpox and then um, and the thing the 
reason why I suspect, not only because Bill Gates has been talking about smallpox gleefully, but because there is a vaccine for smallpox. And so the elites can go can get vaccinated against smallpox and then turn it loose on the rest of the world. And people you won't be able to get people vaccinated fast enough. And then if you if you trust anything, I mean, at this point, if you if you gave me a choice and would you would you take a smallpox vaccine if it were if it were offered to you? I would not. I, w- I almost think that the way the better way to go about it is to do what what Jenner, the the doctor who discovered the smallpox vaccine, do what he did and you infect cows with cowpox. So you've got you've got cattle that are actively with cowpox legions and cowpox and smallpox are kissing cousins to each other. And so what you then do is you go find a cow or you you have a a bovine that has active uh, cowpox pustules. You lance a pustule and then you harvest the pus out of that. You scratch yourself and infect yourself with cowpox. It's it's not going to kill you. It might suck, but it's it's not going to kill you. And then once you have, once you've recovered from having cowpox, you have durable, sterile immunity against smallpox. That's how he discovered it. The thing that's interesting about what Jenner did um, in the discovery of that is that he was he was a monster, and instead of doing the right thing and testing it on himself or on an adult colleague who could give consent to this, he um, involuntarily. Test, he tested it on a child, and the child, of course, it was involuntary. The child had no idea what was going on. So even even the origins of something like the smallpox vaccine is morally tainted by the methodology that Jenner used. He was basically a Mengele. The, the way you do something like that and, and the way science works is, is that you either test it on yourself if you believe enough in it. And a lot of a lot of researchers and scientists have done that. They've tested things on themselves. And or the other thing you can do, like I said, is that you can find an adult who is willing with full knowledge and full consent, who's willing to volunteer to do something like this. So yeah, the whole, it's it's so shady. But there is a smallpox vaccine, which the elites could then inoculate themselves with, and then it would just be a next-level kill-off, you know, kill people um, with, with a smallpox plague. And again, plagues are all prophesied in all this, and smallpox is a legit plague. Um, so that's that's what I'm kind of halfway looking for. And maybe they have something else in the pipeline, but... Um, boy, the smallpox thing. And then then they'd have people clamoring to get themselves injected, and God only knows. God only knows what they would put into um, a concoction that they would be injecting people with. It could They could turn smallpox loose and then inject everyone with saline so that everybody still gets it and dies. Or they could inject you with literally anything. How would you know? How, how do you, would you, could you know if, okay, he's, they've got a, they've got some sort of a vial and it says, and it has a label on it and it says smallpox vaccine. How do you know? And how could you possibly check to know that that's what it was? 
Oh, it might There's actually a, be that, plus uh, two different versions of mRNA, plus who yeah. knows what else. It, yeah. it, it's something where they might legitimately give you a real smallpox vaccine, but that will only be one-fifth of the payload. Right, exactly. And so you're going to get you're going to get the spike proteins and you're going to get the lipid nanoparticles and you're going to get, you know, vaccine induced AIDS like like what we're seeing. And you're going to get obviously the heart damage and all of that. Um, and there's there's just nothing you can do. You can't say, well, I'm going to I'm going to take this home and I'm going to analyze it myself. Well, of course you're not. No, nobody has the capability to do that, except the manufacturers themselves. Nobody has a chemical assay lab. Uh, so it's, they, they've got people, and yes, I absolutely think that they are, they're like sharks and chum. There is blood in the water, the power trip and the high that they're still riding from the corona scam. And you know, I was thinking the other day, you know what the corona scam, it didn't prove how much power that the elites have. What the corona scam proved is how weak the people are and how incapable of thought and of, of rational, logical thinking that people are. They, they did this, um, I don't think they had, they didn't have a firm feel for how much they were gonna be able to get away with. And I, I think that by their by their standards by their metrics i can only assume that they they consider it to be a wild wild raging success and how they, little they had to do yeah to do the enforcing the yeah. people themselves did the enforcing that's right that's right i mean you you it took a, just a few hours all it took was a few hours of propaganda on the on tv and people put themselves under house arrest people lined up to be injected with an experimental which they knew they knew it was a completely experimental uh concoction it's it's been killing people right and left and continues to kill people right and left and people just keep going along with this and saying well there's nothing i can do there's nothing i can do and I think that is, that's the major point of this first phase of this operation. Now, certainly getting these, the green passes and the vaccine passports, and of course they're setting the stage. They're setting the stage for, um, you know, Federal Reserve digital currency and, and all that goes along with that and taking away a person's ability to buy or sell, going at people's fungibility, which I've been talking about for years. It doesn't matter how much money you have if they won't let you spend it. Great, you've got a million dollars in your bank account. What happens when Justin Trudeau just single-handedly sweeps your bank account? Or if you have a million dollars in Bitcoin, but you can't exchange that out to something, either another yep. hard asset or to some other currency because all the off-ramps are now closed down and declared illegal. What, yep. what good is that? Yep. And so at that point, you are homeless. You are eating, what, from soup kitchens or something like that. And it doesn't matter how, much, how many zeros and ones you had in your Wells Fargo account. It just doesn't matter. So they're go what they're going after is fungibility. It's the ability f for you to spend your money. Not the ability to, for you to necessarily have money, but the ability for you to spend it. And so if you have unpopular opinions, you will be able to spend, you know, $50 a month total or $100 a month total. Um, you will only be able to buy 
15 gallons of gas per month or something like that. I mean, oh. the, this is the level of control. Or in the name of environment, in Europe, they're talking about car-free Sundays again. Yeah. Apparently during the 70s, they did this. And one of the first things I, I thought of when I heard about, I was listening to this uh, last Sunday on the No Agenda show. And the first thing that came to mind, if they started doing this here in the United States, car-free Sundays, how many of you who are listening who go to a Latin mass could walk to Latin mass? Um, if, probably if, could be counted on one hand. If if they enforced car-free Sundays, I don't think we'd even be able to get to the low, the, whatever the closest non-Latin mass location would be. Mm-mm. Forget about uh, getting you know thirty miles, an hour and a half, four hours to the to the closest Latin mass location. Yep. Yep. And people will go along with this because it's for the environment. It's for the earth. So, goodness. Yeah, and don't go out and buy a Tesla just so you can go to Mass on Sunday because those things will get remote turned off as well. Oh, absolutely. If if they don't burst into flames first. So, yeah, yep. Both Uh, are a legitimate concern. This is true. Yep. And and think Uh. about this, too. Cars that are being sold for $50,000, I mean, these are not cheap cars, and Elon Musk has the ability to literally turn off your car, either all cars in Russia. I don't know if he actually did that or not, but he was, people have been lobbying him. Hey, Elon, turn off all the Teslas in Russia. Mm-hmm. He can do that. Mm-hmm. The, all, the software phones home. You can't not do that. And if you interrupt its ability to phone home, I don't know if it turns itself off at that point. Yeah, the idea of electric cars and the technology that goes into them and the specific battery technology they're, they're using, that's all very cool and dandy and wonderful. But how it's all being positioned is not very wonderful. No. These things are remote controlled. Heck, it's down to the point with auto drive. If you are a person of interest and you're driving a Tesla, guess what? They could just take over the car and direct it to the closest gas or to the, to the closest police station and keep yeah. you locked in until, keep the, you locked in until it. the yep. constable shows up. Yep. It's a rolling jail cell. And that's not an exaggeration. No, there's no way. I wouldn't buy at this point if I were if I were to get back into the car market for whatever reason, I would not buy anything manufactured probably after about 2008. I don't I don't want anything you know, maybe even before that because I remember I had a I had a 2008 Saturn Sky and it had um what is that GM thing called OnStar? Remember that? Oh yeah, OnStar can turn off your your car and that yep. was that was a reality in the mid 90s, I think. Yeah, it's been around for a while, but no, I don't want anything with any internet capability. Um wouldn't want anything with any sort of OnStar or anything like that. Yeah, you might have to you might even have to be going back back older than that. And then, you know, I've always talked about if, if there were to be, if there were to be some sort of electromagnetic event, whether it's, um, a coronal ejection or which would be naturally, naturally occurring, or if there were, which, what Putin would do if he were going to attack the United States with nuclear weapons, the first thing he would do is he would detonate, he would detonate in space and EMP, huge swaths of the United States, and knock out all of the um, geostationary satellites that are in orbit over the United States, um, which there are a lot of. And so all he would have to do is is detonate a nuke up at the very, you know, 
the upper the top of the atmosphere or even out into space which they totally have the capability to do that and so at that point the only thing that's going to start and run is is something that doesn't have a computer in it and it, it, no computer timing or anything like that so now you're looking at you need to be back before you got to get back into the 60s pretty much to get away from from any sort of computer and any sort of computerized timing in a car or truck definitely it's, something with a carburetor because electronic yeah. fuel injection the key fuel word injection. There, yep. the key word electronic is an issue and even even the idea of something like a car that old um an EMP I don't know what that would do to the battery that that could cause issues but then again a vehicle that old you can always pop start that oh sure absolutely so my for a while i was my fantasy car that i wanted to get was a 1951 um hudson commodore <laughs> you could live in one of those things they're huge it's like oh wouldn't that be cool to have a hudson commodore a 51 hudson commodore and they had a really um the what what was the name of the transmission they had a gm transmission in it it was a three-speed automatic i think dynaflow or something like that the list someone in the listenership will know what that gm transmission I'm that, pretty that sure dynaflow was one that was related mm -hmm. to buick yeah i mean it was a gm transmission and um hudson contracted those it was it was one of the first automatics to be kind of you know in mass production um and was marketed towards towards women as you can imagine you know so and i that would that would be pretty cool to have a big old big old hudson with an automatic and live in that bad boy have your have your bed in the back your the back seat is your bed and storage and everything else would be pretty awesome and it would start and it would start and run <laughs> hope it's got enough storage for weapons and ammo too but yeah. another thing to consider is if there was a broad area EMP attack, what this would do, among other things, would be shutting off all the electricity. Forget yeah. about the cars. All electricity would be down. Even if your car could start, how are you going to refuel it? Yeah. Because gas stations run on electricity. Electric, yep. Electric so, pumps. Yep. And, and you can't exactly store tons of gasoline for more than a year or two. Mm -hmm. It just naturally starts breaking down. Um, a book I read, it's a fictional book, but it's also based on, in in, 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 in it's an epilogue or, or a suffix to the book. Uh, they said, let, or maybe it was the prefix. They said, lest you believe that this is all just made up, what's going on, go read these reports from uh, to the Congress back in 2008 through 2012 yeah. about what would the consequences be of the national power grid going down for a month, six months, or a year. Mm -hmm. And what the experts were saying is that there would be at least a 90% 90%. die-off yeah. If the if the US power grid went down for a full year. Yeah. Yeah, and you know who else was talking a lot about that years ago was Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich was big on talking about hardening and defending against um EMPs and so forth. And I think the most widely read book is um what's it called? One second after or one one minute after. It's it's talking about exactly this. It's talking about a electromagnetic pulse attack and yeah the pe pe people in the first world are you're 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 as good as dead you're you're just waiting at that point it's just it's just a matter of time basically if the if there is no electricity 
and you say, oh no, I've got this, I've got that, I can hold out. No, you, you don't even begin to understand how dependent we are on this stuff. Um, we're just, we're, all of us, all of us are so used to things just being available and arriving and showing up and they're ready to use and there's no processing of anything that any of us have to do. We buy everything ready to eat, ready to wear, et cetera, et cetera. And nobody, nobody could possibly be prepared. Um, there's even, even watching the kind of like the bushcraft videos and those guys who go out into the, into the, into the forest and build themselves, you know, dug in underground shelters and everything. If you just stop and look at that and you realize, well, where, where did he get that shovel? How was that shovel manufactured? Um, how how was the metal for that you know refined how was it cast um and you you where did he get that saw blade how how was that made where did that come from and you realize that absolutely everything is contingent upon this and we can't we can't get away from it anymore we're we're too far in at this point humanity humanity in total we're too far in and if you take it away it's like what super nerd said it's it's over 90 percent of the people will be dead within a year i wonder you know we laugh at uh, some some areas at the, i don't say you know you and i but a, a lot of elites or even just common americans laugh at some of the living conditions in places like afghanistan but afghanistan is a place where if you set off an emp device you know 60 miles over their country would they even notice? Life would just keep going on the next day the same way it did before, for the most part. For the most part, yeah. The people in the cities would notice, but you know the the, the kinds of folks that that we've been fighting a war until we pulled out, you know, mm -hmm. in a horrible manner. Would would those people really notice for the most part? Yeah, their radio stopped working, but that hasn't exactly stopped them in the last two thousand years from being the way they are. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, it's it's not good but like like circling back to the beginning we have to just keep living our lives and um we'll take it one day at a time yep and if we're called to to die of starvation uh, if that's what the 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 death that god has for us in mind and and, and mm -hmm. I, I don't say this to be cheeky or anything like that but hopefully you're you're praying the the stations of the cross stations during the cross, during, yeah. during lent you know Send me the the death that the I forget the word wording off the top of my head. It's the you know, it's the fifth station, um, Simon of Cyrene, and it's you know whatever death you have in store for me, whatever cross it is that I'm to die upon, I am resolved to it and I embrace it. Yeah. Allow me to love me to love you, and then do with me what you wilt. Yep. Mm -hmm. Or what thou wilt, I should say. Yep. <sighs> well, I mean, it, it sounds negative, but. Honestly, if, if you die according to, to, to God's will, the way you're supposed to die, and you meet this, um, offering up all the, 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 all, all the pains that go with it, hey, it's way better to offer up a painful death and expiate everything you need to up to the point of death than to have a very instantaneous death you weren't ready for and you get incinerated from that EMP that came down to oh, yeah. 1,000 feet instead of 100 miles. That. Mm -hmm. um, if you if you have a very sudden unprovided death, that's far worse. Um, even oh, yeah. even if you aren't in the state of sin, it's not having the opportunity to die over time and offer things up. Yeah, it's going to suck, but you know, then again, none of us deserve heaven. 
Exactly. It, it would have been just if God had damned the entire human race after Adam and Eve fell. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, I think back about my mindset, which was very mainstream before I converted to Catholicism. And what is the mainstream? How do people talk about death? And they say, oh, I want to I want to die. I want to have a heart attack in my sleep at age, you know, 92 or whatever. And everybody says, yeah, yeah, it'd be awesome. Just, you know, go to bed one night and never wake up again. And now, um, once once you've converted and, and you've actually thought about these things and you know what the reality of, of death is, um, that's horrible. That's That's the worst possible thing. Oh no, I want to be, <laughs> you want to be awake. You want to, you want to know that it's coming. Um, you want to be able to prepare and, um, yeah, you, you want some warning on it, on it coming. You, the whole just dying in your sleep or like these, these poor people who are dying of, of, um, the clot shots and they're just dropping dead. Um, what, what a horrible, horrible thing. And that's why we pray what is it the fourth glorious mystery our lady's assumption into heaven fruit of the mystery grace of a happy holy provided death that's that is the best end and if that means that you die painfully of starvation or whatever it is that's better than dying unprepared amen yeah that's that's one of the few guarantees aside from taxes unless you're yep. going to go on tax strike, is that you? we all die. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and even if you go on tax strike, if you're buying anything, there's well, yeah. sales tax or VAT or mm-hmm. some kind of scheme in place. So yeah, death and tax is guaranteed. Um, but it's it's not whether you die, it's how you die. How you die, yep. Yep. Well, on that happy note. <laughs> well, I mean, given given the events of the day, yes. Yes, we, yes. Just to recapitulate the, the top of it, though, it, it is an amazing feast day, and that's definitely a happy thought. Um, it, it is the, the incarnation, the the beginning of Christ's bodily life, and he took, he, took, he took human flesh for the purpose of dying the most ignominious death possible mm-hmm. so that we have the possibility to be saved. And that mm-hmm. that is... There, there is nothing happier <laughs> that can you can possibly contemplate. Yes. We have the opportunity to earn heaven. And it's completely gratuitous. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, completely gratuitous. Completely gratuitous. The, it's very sad to see people raging at God and saying and acting like he, he owes us anything. And you're, boy, you're missing it. Because if you if you don't sit down and think about it and get it through your head that it's just infinite, completely gratuitous love, that there is no like contractual, transactional aspect to this. It's just totally gratuitous. Um, you, you have to understand that in order to, to have a right relationship with him and certainly to love him, you know? And, and also talking about all these bad things, it's not to be to be a total downer. It's also you know to point out that this is our opportunity to show our love for for God, for Jesus, mm-hmm. that we you know through temptation, through trials, this is how we prove our love. And whether it is uh, dying a slow death from starvation, or whether it's cancer, or being uh, literally being having having your life choked out of you from a Chinese boot on your neck, mm-hmm. um, however however you go. 
it, it's it's how you unite this uh, in union with Christ's passion and reparation for your own sins that you've committed in your life. If you die well, the saints tell us that you can definitely go straight to heaven. This isn't something. This isn't the the unique um, purview of only saints from 600 years ago. Mm-hmm. There are probably not many, but there are people these days, even today, who, when they die, are going to go straight to heaven. Mm-hmm. And not just those who are martyred, although there are a growing number of those as well. It It's not that hard to be a saint. God set this up to help you. It may yes. be difficult to to not forget that all of the trials that then follow on are meant for your sanctification and you need to accept these instead of fighting against them. Exactly. But this, these are all for, for our sanctification. There was a sermon I heard just recently where, where a monk was mentioning to his, his superior that uh, he no longer has temptations of any kind, that he, he prayed to God that all of his temptations would be taken away and God heard his prayer. And the, 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 the uh, superior lament is like, you foolish, foolish Man, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. you also have no opportunity to grow in love of God, and you will grow into, into complacency and possibly into sin. Yeah, it, what you need to do is pray to have that what you consider to be a privilege taken away. Exactly, it's in yep. the daily combat, the spiritual combat. There's pretty sure there's a book by that title. It's mm-hmm. in that daily spiritual combat is how we how we save our souls, how how we earn heaven. So yeah, yes. we, we mentioned all these things that suck and are going to suck a whole lot worse, but these are the opportunities to be those great saints that the saints of 500 years ago envied in a holy way. Yep. Yep. And, you know, people raging at God and saying, you know, he's, he's set the entire human race up to fail and nothing could be further from the truth. He's, he's just bending over backwards at all times trying to get people, you know, without coercing anybody, but trying to shepherd people into his holy church, which exists for us that we might be saved. Um, and he's, he's just doing everything that he possibly can. And it's just one of the most ignorant and just wrong headed accusations to say that he's he's set he set us all up for failure because nothing could be further from the truth. We're the ones who fail. Yes, it is our fault. Yes, one hundred percent. It is your fault. Um, don't don't be a narcissist and be one of these people who refuses to take responsibility for anything. It is our fault. Um, pe- people who are in hell are there because of the decisions that they have made, and it's it's a choice. It's and a choice. And they're only because of the decisions they made. Yeah. It's the, he he's not he's not some monster who's who's trying to hide himself from us. The only re, the only reason that he stays behind the veil of friendship is because he can't coerce us. And when you're talking about an infinite being as God obviously is, the the level of or the threshold of coercion is just it he he has to stay hidden there's if if we saw even the tiniest tiniest fraction of of him in his glory we'd be coerced we wouldn't be able to function we'd be frightened and there would be no free choice there for us to love him 
And so he has to stay hidden in that way. He's not hiding from us in order to elude us. He's hiding from us right now for the time being behind the veil of friendship, just so that, so that we can freely love him, so that he isn't coercing us in any way. And man, there's a lot of people, that's, that's the primary torment of hell. The primary torment of hell isn't, you know, demons poking you with hot sticks or something like that. There is demonic, there is demonic uh, torment down there. But you know, you know what the primary torment is? The primary torment is you knowing that it's your fault. That you, you could have had the beatific vision, and this is why hell is worse for the baptized than it is for the unbaptized. Because the baptized know that they had it. They had the baptismal garment, and for at least a period of time, they would have achieved the beatific vision. But they tore their baptismal garment off by their own choice and trampled on it and walked away from it and refused to put it back on. And they um, will see in stark relief for all eternity all 144,000 opportunities they had where they could have easily regained that yes. state of grace. They could have converted. Yep. Could have done it at any time. That is the primary torment. And it is said that, the, that God permits the demons to torment human beings in hell as a, get, get, get this, as a mercy. As a, as a merciful distraction, because I, I think it's fair to say that people who are in hell experience what can only be described as the passage of time. And so there, there is space for, for something that could be called a distraction, a temporal distraction. Um, it, Think think about hell, and you say, "Well, that that's going to make me a horrible, negative person." No, not not if you if you think about it and read about it, as Holy Mother Church has provided information and ways for us to think about it and conceptualize it and and understand what it is. The more you think about it, the more you realize you know how loving He is. And you say, "Well, why why doesn't He just snuff people out of existence?" Because again, if, if he did that, if he snuffed one person out of existence, it would, it would turn all of us into just nothing more than little plastic, you know, little plastic toy soldiers or, or pawns on a chessboard. It would strip humanity of every shred of dignity if God were to snuff even one, one human being out of existence. And so we exist, he created us and we exist and we will exist forever. You will exist forever. No way, the only, the only option, the only choice that you have is where, where will that be? Where will that be? And hopefully that's but not a newsflash to any of the listeners that you are an immortal being. Well, um, I think we have a lot of, we always have a lot of new eyes and ears, so it, it doesn't hurt to uh, to repeat some of these things every now and then because I think hell is one of the most misunderstood and or just 
or just kind of silly. And, and you know, you could say the same thing for heaven too. The conception, the conception that most people have of heaven is comes from like Bugs Bunny cartoons where, you know, you die, you sprout wings, you get a halo and you're floating around on clouds or something like that. And that, that, that does such a disservice. And you can say, well, I, I blame the Baroque for that. And all those, you know, disembodied baby heads with wings that they use to decorate all those Baroque churches. But eh, maybe, maybe there's, I think there's a fair critique there, but um, I, people's conceptions of the afterlife in, in both, both possible vectors is, is so lacking and so inadequate. And yeah, you need to think about these things. I think that's what one of the points that St. Benedict is making when he says, keep death before your eyes every day. Um, so you're not only thinking about, you know, as we were talking about a few minutes ago about dying well and the, the possibility of suffering, et cetera, et cetera. But you also, you need to be thinking about heaven. You need to think about the beatific vision. What could that possibly be? Now we know that we can never, we can never understand how good it's going to be, but you, you should think about, you know, you you should contemplate it and ponder it and i i don't think it's it's bad to even i could even use the word speculate i don't think it's bad to even speculate about as to what it could be but you also need to think about hell too in the same sense that it may seem strange contemplate hell so that you don't go there it's no different than people who take cautionary warnings from an addict so that they don't dabble with and fall into the errors of what they mm -hmm. are experiencing. Right. I mean, there are people who have stayed away from, from drugs and alcohol simply because they see what it does to other people. Mm -hmm. And they say, even though I might be able to um, consume alcohol or smoke a reefer now and then, which set aside the morality of that for a minute, yeah. and, and it won't bother me, we'll still say, I've seen where people who start that way mm -hmm. end up and I don't want to go there. Right. I don't need that. It doesn't necessarily improve the quality of my life. There are other ways to relax. Things that actually add years to your life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Yep. Well, I think that's our I think that's our pep talk for this episode. Yep. We were we were talking about this being a short podcast because you're going to record again on Monday, but you know, we're at a at eighty minutes again. So, well, you know, we are we are uh, reliable, if nothing else. You don't you don't get to a million downloads by being by being flighty. So, ah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Shall I wrap it up? I think you should. Okay, the email address for the podcast where you can send feedback, comments, suggestions, good news items. If you can come up with a better good news item, then hey, we have the opportunity to go to heaven. Mm. Um, the email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to all of her benefactors, and at least one Mass is said every single day, plus one traditional Catholic Requiem Mass is said for everybody who died in the previous week. Please take a moment to pray for these priests. Mm -hmm. um, as much as our life is going to suck, um, it, it, if we have an EMP or a nuclear attack or anything like that, uh, it's going to be even worse for the priests, and I have to wonder how how much anguish of soul will there be for the priests if we do, you know, car-free Sundays that they cannot reach people for, yeah. the, for the sacraments? I mean, they they have dedicated their life to giving the sacraments to the people. That is their 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 path to salvation as well as their cross. And if they that gets taken away from them in the name of the environment, that's going to be anguish. 
Yeah. So pray pray for the priests. Um, they, they definitely need our prayers. Uh, don't forget to invoke all of the patrons, including St. Tiny Princess. She's our patron, yes. so definitely invoke her. Uh, on a personal note, uh, we mentioned um, uh, people who, who are suffering and, 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 um, and suggesting offering up your sufferings as you uh, get close to death. Somebody in, in, in my family is, is very close to, not my children, but um, in the not-so-distant uh, family is, is basically at the point of death. And in their final agony, yeah. Pretty much. Um, we don't know how much longer that final agony is going to go on, but definitely ask for your prayers um, that this person completes the journey uh, well. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely definitely uh, the, the last rites have been given <laughs> multiple times, mm-hmm. uh, but but uh, it, it doesn't make it hurt any less on, on, on the way, and it's not like Satan's going to quit either. So definitely yeah. keep keep praying. Uh, the Barnhart podcast is a value for value podcast. Normally I would ask you to determine how much is this, this, um, positive sounding pep talk worth, um, and put a number on that and consider sending it to super nerd media. But instead, since it still is Lent, consider, um, almsgiving instead, mm-hmm. uh, masses for the poor souls, um, offering to, um, to religious orders who dedicate themselves to the corporal and spiritual works of mercy, uh, sister servants of Mary, I'm going to put their address in the show notes again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they, they definitely, uh, they were a big help with, with St. Tiny princess. They are a help to, um, people who are in a condition like the one, the person I just semi anonymously mentioned. Um, they, yeah, that's, it, it's a definitely a, a, an order worth supporting. Um, yes. So yeah, consider supporting them. I do want to thank a couple donors since the last podcast, Pamela and William. Uh, Pamela says, uh, thank you, Ann and Super Nerd. And uh, William says, thanks for all you do. Yay. And that's all I have to say about that, which leaves Matthew 1720. Matthew 1720. Keep praying <laughs> every day, fast twice a week if you can, fourfold intention that Bergoglio be publicly recognized and removed as anti-Pope and the whole thing be nullified, that Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living Pope since April of 2005, that Bergoglio repents, reverts to Catholicism, dies in a state of grace in the fullness of time, and someday achieves the beatific vision, and that Pope Benedict repent of anything he might need to repent of, that he dies in the state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieves the beat and someday achieves the beatific vision. Our Lady of Copacabana, Slayer of the Pachamama Demon, Our Lady of Fatima, and Our Lady of the Annunciation. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. And until next time, I am the human being exercising the office of super nerd. <laughs> and I am. Thanks, guys. God bless. Okay, we're going to get a bunch of hate mail now.